You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, joined first tonight by Mark Immelman, who has already given me multiple restaurant recommendations for Sea Island next week. Hello, Mark. Thank you very much. Hello, Rick. Yeah, uh, honestly, Sea Island is, (laughs) I would argue Seaside is one of my favorite courses on the PGA Tour, and the island is just sensational. And uh, it's kind of like golf mecca down here in the southeast, and, and there's some good eating down there too. So if you like barbecue and that sort of stuff, it is your place, but you'll have a great week. It's a, it's a good time down there. Looking forward to getting down there. Greg Ducharme also here. Gregor's good to see you. Good to see you too, boys. That's exciting, Rick. Getting down to the the RSM. That's a it's a great event every year. So that should be a, another nice trip. And now you know where where to eat. Um, right. So what could go wrong? You got three nights. You got three nights worked out, and the RSM guys off you for the rest. Are you starving? Right. Um, I've already got fifteen pounds added, and it's all good. I'll have to wear. I have have the whole off season to figure that out. Uh, Kyle Porter is here. KP. Hey, bud. Did you guys see this Justin Jefferson catch earlier today? Did we? See yeah. I haven't stopped. Yeah. I haven't stopped thinking about it. It's maybe the maybe the best catch of all time. Okay, wait. Now I'm gonna go and have a find. All right. Cool. Uh, he he. First of all, this game is you know it was like the game of the year. Justin Jefferson leaps a uh, hundred feet in the air, one handed, rips it out of the defender's hand, brings it. I mean, it, he's he's absolutely insane. Who, who was the was Odell the first one that kind of did the over his head one handed deal? Yeah, this yeah, yeah. was that, and that was such like a revelation at the time because nobody had ever, I don't think, really done that in a game. And that was in a warm up that when he when he did that over the head catch. <laughs> nobody did it in a game. Remember, like didn't he do did it in a game? Yeah. Yeah, the there's Cowboys a picture on like Sunday Night Football or whatever. Yeah, and that was the first time I remember like Twitter having a moment. Ever? Well, I, I just like what I remember, right? Of like, uh, oh my God, we're all watching this one sporting event. Yeah. And, and this guy just did this thing we have never seen before. And instantaneously, the photos and the replays and the slow mos and is everything. I think the I think the best catch I've ever seen was um, Charles Woodson in 1999. No, 97. Whenever. You were you, how old were you? Stop. Stop. <laughs> I was 12. Yes. In 97, uh, they were playing at Michigan state and he had a one handed interception on the sideline, but it was like across his body. He should have won the Heisman that year. He got robbed by Peyton Manning, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, some clown that played at Tennessee. (laughs) Anyway, the Justin Jefferson catch is unbelievable. By the way, Rick, the Odell Beckham, uh, Twitter having a moment might be one of Twitter's last moments. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have so many Twitter hot takes. Can, I need a whole off-season podcast on Twitter on my on my Twitter takes at the moment. Uh, there was also that one. So when then people went back through the archives, and there was a, a play when Odell was at LSU where it was like a yeah. kick return. Yeah, and he just like snatched it out of the air like a child had tossed him a Nerf ball. It, it was it was the way that I catch a tennis ball, but it was but it was a college football. <laughs> Both, uh, by the way, Ju- Justin Jefferson, Odell Beckham Jr., Jamar Chase has made some pretty nice catches too. Yeah. All LSU guys. I don't know what they're teaching down there, but it's it works. Something, something in the water in the bayou. It's impressive. Yeah, so what they're teaching is what they're feeding them down in the bayou. Down <laughs> big. You, they, they are growing up human beings, those guys. Oh goodness. Uh, okay, so YouTube doesn't like when we spoil the winner of the of of the tournament immediately off the bat. So we gave you four and a half minutes of uh, spoiler alert time because we're about to tell you who just won the Houston Open. Before we do that, let me give you a reminder we're headed towards the holidays uh christmas if you celebrate that coming up and maybe you want to purchase some first cut merchandise for your uh, friends family significant others co-workers i don't know whoever you want 20 percent off the rest of the year if you're watching on youtube there is a qr code that you can scan and be taken directly to the storefront you can use the checkout code first cut 20 when you check out there's a link in the description of both the audio and video versions 20 percent off the rest of of the way. Houston's in the books. Tony Finau goes wire to wire. Uh, Mark, we'll start with you. This was dominant from the start. He's, he's done it again. Now three wins in his last seven starts. He's oozing with confidence. He certainly is. Um, and, and remember just a few short months ago after he won um, in Detroit, and that was two straight after winning 3M in Minneapolis the week prior, where he was like, all right, this is arguably the best golfer in the world right now. And then, you know, the end of the season rolls around and he didn't really flash anything brilliant and then misses the cut last week. And, and that to me is so emblematic of what these studs can do because they're always just one swing thought or, or, or one little tip or just one feeling away from playing great. And honestly, he had no weakness. And it was very impressive the way he put it together. And to me, all the more impressive was how how resolute he's been um, with just sticking to the change that he and Boyd Summerays made to the putter. Because remember, Finau was that guy that we were always criticizing. He wasn't closing, you know, wasn't contention, and he didn't win, and he was like the top 10 machine. Well, you know, he's figured out a way, and he's stuck with because uh, this guy, he, he was the guy that was changing putting grips weekly almost, it seemed like. Now he's been with this new sort of slightly flatter, shorter stroke, and the guy's bearing putts from all over the place when he's playing. So, I mean, he's pretty complete looking right now and 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 i would almost if i was making a comparison in a way uh, with the way he's flatting irons with little draws flat and making putts and driving it great he sort of looks a little bit like dustin johnson to me right now just you know easy going it's a long way really uh, clean ball striker and, and now he's scoring and he's super confident so i uh, I'm going to go with a hot take and say, look out, this is uh, th- this is a guy who's found his thing. And once once these guys have found it, they don't really deviate from that too much. Uh, I think he was second in the field in putting, Greg, fourth in tee to green. That's, that's how you run away with one of these bad boys. Yeah, first in driving accuracy as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. You, know, you think about what we talked about on Monday, Rick. Um, 
and and how and I wasn't even there on Monday. So I guess on Tuesday, but how important driving accuracy is in the in the models. And you wouldn't necessarily think Tony Finau is the is the guy that's going to come out on top. Um, we certainly didn't rule him out, but it, you know that's not necessarily a fit. You wouldn't think Tony Finau would lead the field in driving accuracy. But that is a very dangerous combination with someone who has recorded 200 mile an hour ball speed on camera before, not in competition, but, but he's, he's hit a golf ball with 200 mile an hour ball speed and he's leading the field for a week in driving accuracy. So this is this is like a next level thing where you can adapt your game to the golf course, to the venue that you're going to go play. And that is extremely dangerous for everybody else because he has the ability to handle any kind of golf course when he shows what he did this week, which was just elite driving. And the putter has been just red hot. Rick, if you don't mind quickly, just on the heels of that, uh, that's such a good take there to me because um Playing alongside um, Ben Taylor today, who's you can hit it, he's but but he's not like elite long, and he was hitting it up there with Finau a bunch because Tony uh, sort of figured out this thing to say, well, I've got six or seven gears with a driver, but I don't need to be driving in seventh gear all of the time, and so he's just caressing balls out there, sort of in the three hundred, three or five, three ten range, just good enough to be functional, but playing from the fairway a lot, and when you're dialing in the iron control and the distance control as well as what he is, you know that almost makes driving driving and play more more important and 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 he's doing this and he's doing it consistently and so i see a guy developing here who is i don't want to say tailor made for big events and major championships but with firmness of greens and stuff in those bigger events it's paramount to play from fairways as much as you can and and right now the way this guy's lining it up i mean he is almost Taylor made for a US Open, open the way he strikes it, the way he's driving and the way he's putting it. Uh, let's let's get the up-to-date assessment on Tony Finau here, KP, because it's it's now three wins in a, in a very short period of time. Uh, you look at the ceiling since the start of last season, 2022 season, there's only been 11 instances in which a golfer has gained 17 strokes to the field. 11 times it's been done. Tony Finau has four of them, more than a third of them. No one else has done it more than once. So this is not just that happy-go-lucky, lovable loser anymore, is it? No, it's not. I mean, I was on <clears throat> rickrungood.com during the uh, during the final round on Sunday. Go and get stats, huh? It's true. It's yeah. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> but I was looking at what the just the best strokes gain uh, tournaments of the last eight, or I guess it was six years. And for a while, Finau was flirting with that kind of top five, six, seven range. He didn't end up there. And I realized it's a lesser event. You know, number one was Stenson, Henrik Stenson at the 2016 Open, which is a little bit... Also, big. tell us who number two was. Well, number two was Phil at the 2016... <laughs> uh, did I say US Open? I meant Open Championship. That's true. Uh, at, at Royal Troon. So one and two were those two guys, uh, which is insane that Phil did not win that. Anyway... Uh, so, so Finau was having that for a while, at least, you know, he didn't fit he, the bat nine on Sunday was just kind of, and he had, he had a ton of room to, to kind of play with there. And, and he didn't, he, he didn't close out as strongly as maybe he would have hoped, but I, I thought his quote afterward, Rick was, was telling, he said, you know, I've always had belief, but the confidence when you win is contagious. And 
you know, he, I think he deserves a lot of credit for just kind of hanging in and hanging in and hanging in. He, he won two of his first 211 starts on the PGA tour, which for somebody of his talent is not a very good winning percentage for a lot of guys. That's a great winning percentage, but for Finau, it's not. And he could have easily just kind of bailed on what he was doing and he just continued to believe. And then that, you know, it gets taken to another level. I can't speak to this because I've never won a PGA tour event, but it seems like he gets taken to another level when guys win. And now he's set up. I don't, I don't know if there's a guy in the world right now that you look at as having a bigger upside for 2023 than, than Finau, maybe, maybe Rory, maybe Scheffler, who I know we'll talk about, but Finau is right up there for me among the top five guys that could have just maybe Rom you would throw in there, but just could have monstrous 2023s. It's so interesting, Greg, because um, yeah, he talked a lot about the hard work. He talked about a lot about the confidence, but then you look at the stats and you kind of look at his game and there's really no shortcoming, right? It's not, it's not the, just the distance anymore. He's, he's putting so well, as we talked about, he goes to uh, Memorial park with the, with these short grass areas around all these greens and he gets to put those, those beautiful hands on display. I mean, he is just, mm -hmm. he's got it all. Oh, absolutely. And the biggest thing that happened this year that I would say if if I'm Kyle looking to project a big 2023, you're looking for guys who have answered questions, right? Has there, was there something that held them back in the past that they've answered? And Tony answered two of them. Putting is one. I mean, I think Tony Finau has had a pretty good short game. He's had really good hands through his career. It hasn't been something I've been concerned with at any point. But the two areas of concern for me have always been what he does on the greens with his putting uh, and what he does in the moment when you get yeah. into that final round situation. Last year, Tony Fino was first on tour in, in final round scoring average. Round four scoring average. He's first. So he, he answered the question. He knows how to handle um, the the Sunday pressure. He, he has learned that. And I don't think that's something that's fleeting. Uh, maybe the putting can come and go, although it, it looks like, I mean, this has been a very consistent run of very good putting for him. I mean, going back all the way to uh, like the Wells Fargo in May, he he's since that time, there have been two events where he lost strokes putting since May. Yeah. That's, so you take these two areas, these two things that held back this uber talented guy. And he's answered both of those questions. And what we're left with is a complete player who uh, I mean, I, I don't know what the ceiling is, but it doesn't look like there's much of a ceiling at this point. Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, and to that putting, the, the one thing that's curious, because, you know, as a putting instructor, and I can speak to you as well a little bit about this, Greg, is that, you know, oftentimes you find models for players, you know, because the main job for a coach or an instructor with someone as talented as Finau is you don't want to screw up that talent. You want to allow them to right. maintain the athleticism, and then you just kind of harness what they have. And the one thing Tony's done, if you watch the way he swings it, it's like he's reduced the amount of golf club swing to a place where there's minimal movement, and it's uh, it, and it gets more and more consistent because the club's not traveling over that that bigger distance. So then, to the putting, he's 
essentially, I haven't asked him, but it looks like the way the stroke goes, it's almost Snedeker-esque, where it's gotten shorter, it's gone a little sharper. Um, he's got his hands lower, so he can nestle his arms into his body a little more. So it's almost like he and Boyd Summerays, his coach, have gotten to a place where, okay, less movement, less movement in the body. So it's becoming awfully reliable. And, and once you start driving and play, as long as what he is, and then you're making putts, then you're onto something. And then just one more thing, too, the way he plays the game. You know, typically, like if you watch a Ram go, he hits a fade shot just about expressly unless he has to turn it from right to left. Rory will go draw, 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 unless he has to fade it, then he'll hit it. Tony fades it off the tee and largely draws it with the irons. So it speaks to someone who really understands how his golf swing maneuvers too, because if you're just trying to keep the ball in play, you're going to something that you can repeat right. But if you're moving the driver from left to right and the irons in the opposite direction, that tells me that this guy knows exactly where the toe of the club is throughout his golf swing and now especially under pressure. Uh, real quick, Rick, I, I think one thing that Greg touched on that I'd like to reiterate, I mean, his Fino's numbers over the last one, two, three, four, five years are, are pretty. I mean, if you just look overall at his scoring, his total strokes gain, it's, 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 it's kind of the same. Like, it's just very consistent years. And the difference this year, and this is what Greg touched on, is just closing out tournaments. So there are two, two things. One of two things had to start happening for Fina to win a tournament. One, he had to either, either one, he had to build up a big enough lead uh, going into Sunday that he didn't have to play great on Sunday to win it, which he almost did at the, what was that? The HSBC champions three years ago when Xander came or four years ago when Xander yes. came, came from behind, but he actually did it today. He built up a, what he was up what five going in the yeah, final round? To, he, oh yeah, and then he birdied four he, of his uh, four of his first nine. So he was he was pretty comfy. He actually talked about it in his in his post round interview. Like oh, I, I've never been up by this much before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he got it to eight. Eight was the biggest that I saw. So he built up this massively. The other way to do it is how he did it at the Rocket Mortgage and 3M, which he also won earlier this summer. He shot the second best round of the of the final or the second best final round at the 3M. He was, I think, four under. Uh, And then he shot like one of the top 10 rounds in the final round of the Rocket Mortgage. So it's interesting to look at his numbers and think, well, this is the same guy, which is true when you look at uh, 20 events throughout the year. But, you know, when we talk about winning, it's two or three strokes, which don't affect. It doesn't affect your overall strokes gained or anything like that. This is, I mean, this is Mark's whole deal. It's like, what are you doing on Sunday when there's six holes left and and you got to go win a tournament? And I think that's a little bit of um, where Fino has found some of that confidence, which frankly is is something that could make him. He's never been a top five player in the world. He could he could become a if that continues, he could become a top five player in the world in 2023. Well, with this win, thanks to Nosferatu. On Twitter, who we know that uh, Rory checks his account every Sunday night. Uh, Tony Finau will be the 12th ranked player in the world on Monday morning. And uh, he's still in the field, Greg, for, for next week at the RSM Classic. He's likely to be the favorite. Uh, maybe he just rattles off another one. Doesn't 12th doesn't seem doesn't seem high. just wrong for him? What's the what's the high? What's the what's the best he's been, though? Has he ever been in the top? I don't think so. I think this might be career high. Eight, nine. I think I think he's. 
I think he's been uh, like ten or eleven. Best ever was ninth. Okay. You know yeah. that's that, that's that's curious because when he was ninth, it didn't feel that way. Now that, that when he's twelfth, he doesn't it doesn't feel that way either. And yeah. Rick, I will tell you this: unless I don't know if you've seen him play before, but do yourself a favor, man. Go go walk with him for a little while and watch. I in he like he's almost Jack Nicholas or Tiger Woods ish, where he just calculates and plays very plotted rounds, sort of A to B kind of stuff. And very rarely does he reach back and sort of grab a golf course by the the the, the scruff of the neck, like a McElroy or a DJ or or someone like that, that would. And that, that win the target uh, that uh, Carl talked about at 3M, I had him in that final round there. And it was kind of sleepy over the first 10 holes. He missed a good look for birdie on 10, 11. He had a good look that he didn't make. Then he birdies 12, 14, 15, 16, bang. Four under his last, however many it was, and he wins by two or three. Uh, it, it was it was something to watch that he kind of got aggressive, but it wasn't super aggressive off the tee. It was more play from the fairway, hit quality irons, and make mid-range putts. And and it was it was clinical to watch. And Rick, name all the name the players you're more excited about than Tony Finau in 2023. Oh, uh, Rory McIlroy. Okay, one. John Rahm. Two. That might be the list. Uh, uh, Will Zalatoris. Okay. That, that, that might be the list right there. Even with a back? I, I think that's what's exciting is like uh, um, kind of the unknown of it, right? Like, like okay, how is he going to come back from this? He's one of the best ball strikers on the planet. He was so close so often in 2022. That That is exciting to me to find out what Willie Z does in 2023. Um, so that's the way that I look at it, but it's a very, very short list. I think what's really interesting is – and I didn't, I just looked this up. I didn't realize it, but he had his worst major season since in the last seven years. No top twenty fives, and yeah, we're sitting here in November talking about like how how excited we are going into to twenty twenty three. And I think that's the and and rightfully so. I think that's the power of winning, you know, P, uh, like a PGA Tour event. And he's had. It, he's had a lot of success in terms of top tens at majors, obviously in the past, but not this year. And yet we're talking about him so much differently, I think, than we have going into the last three, four, five years. I want to. I'd like to add a couple to those, uh, sort of off the radar a little bit, I would guess. And and the one is Thomas Dietrich. And remember, next year is a Ryder Cup year. Um, he has found a little something, and that boy is beginning to play some golf. And now in a time when you have to prove to to Luke Donald that I'm worthy of a pick if I don't qualify, which I expect he might, uh, watch for Thomas Dietrich. And Fleetwood had been playing under the radar well for a while. And just one down there in South Africa where he chased down uh, and got the victory. And it's like all of a sudden he's got that win that eluded, eluded him some. So with the way he's beginning to swing it and play it, uh, I feel like – Fleetwood is also finding some of that, you know, that, that reinvigoration of the golf game. Some you yeah. can throw uh, no Fleetwood, I should say. Good day yeah. for guys who uh, don't win enough. Tony Finau, Tommy. <laughs> you can throw uh, Spieth in there for me. JT, maybe Homa. I think Homa is pretty interesting. Finau has been better than him at the majors historically, but man, Homa Homa has been playing like a top 10 guy. I mean, Finau has too, but I, I think both of those guys are are super interesting going into to 2023. You need JT to go well for your bet. You're running out of years. 
Oh, we got we're early, Mark. We got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. It's like the first quarter still. You're needing like four you, you started this bet with two a year. I think it's about four a year now. You mm-hmm. won't wave the white flag it. until yeah. it's like there's twenty two events left. And he's like, Well, if he wins twenty one of the next twenty two. He's peaking. Yeah. Uh just to put a bow on it. So Tony Finau uh got to ninth in the world after his win at the Northern Trust and then kind of uh you know fell into the mid twenties at points in 2022. And he's going to be 12th when he wakes up tomorrow morning, Uh solo second for Tyson Alexander, Greg and uh, Tyson Alexander, not a name familiar to most. This was only his seventh PGA tour start as a pro five of them have come this season, but the 300 FedEx cup points for solo second puts him basically halfway to the number. He's going to need to be in the top 70. Yeah, this is one of the cool stories of the week, um, for sure. He's a 34-year-old rookie on the PGA Tour and never really had... Like, you you mentioned the how few starts he got. Oftentimes, you see guys get... Um, they get a number of looks. While they may not get a full season on tour, they get some starts. He's, he's been successful on the Latino America Tour, successful on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he's just been really close and knocking at the door and knocking at the door. And then all of a sudden everything kind of clicks. Um, but this was this was a big week for him in those first four events on the PGA Tour this year in his rookie season. He had no finish inside the top 40. Tied 44th was his best. And now you throw a second in there. You throw 300 FedEx Cup points in there. And that goes a long way. I mean, it it, it doesn't secure your card entirely, but it very nearly does. I figure you need about you know, 500 points or so by the end of the year. Um, and, and he's, you know, well over half already at this point. So that's a huge confidence boost for him. I could just read you his results. It won't take me very long. 2009, as an amateur, he missed the cut at the U.S. Open. 2017, he missed the cut at the U.S. Open. 2018, he missed the cut at the Barbasol. And then this year, uh, which was the missed cut at the Fortinet, the missed cut at the Sanderson Farms, T64 at the Shriners, T44 in Bermuda. Boom. Solo second, Mark. That's uh, that's a, that's a heck of an increase, and he's on he's on top fifty from the Corn Ferry Tour exemption. So uh, yeah. a lot of good work put in here in the fall so far. Yeah, well, for that reshuffle, that's a big big deal with the three hundred points. Uh, so you can almost start to predict what the schedule is, which then frees one up to play a little, little bit because oftentimes when you're in that category and you're sort of hoping for starts and then you get a start, you almost maybe overplay at times to try and make the most of the situation. But I'll tell you what, I mean, this morning I woke up and before church, I was just kind of easing around social media some and and I found a golf swing of Maria Fassi's, which I just, I mean, this thing is heavenly. And, and like you guys go into like statistical rabbit holes, well, I going to golf swing rabbit holes and I sat there and I I put it up on Twitter it was on a loop for me because I was like wow I was starstruck I've always liked it but the angle that it was it, it just opened my eyes to how good she swings it right well then I watched Tyson Alexander this afternoon who I've not seen play and I was like my god good golly I actually recorded that golf swing because it is heavenly, man. And I don't know why he hasn't played better. He's had a couple wins on the smaller tours. But sometimes you just feel uncomfortable. Sometimes you've got to sort of play into the level of play where you are. And he was good when he was at Florida in college. So maybe he's just kind of a later bloomer, maybe like a female. But but what he showed today coming down the stretch, I mean, those two shots he had down 18, which is a mean hole, 490, you know, into crosswind. 
he hits a tee shot down the right center, flushes an iron right over the flag and buries it for the birdie to get solo second. I was like, well, and so then, I mean, I was in a, I was in a golf swing rabbit hole with that guy because it looks good to me. Uh, guys like Tyson Alexander, Kyle, are always a reminder to me of how just relentless golf is and how deep it is and how many guys there are. A dozen years ago, he played on the Palmer Cup. He won on the PGA Tour Latino America, twice a winner on the Corn Ferry Tour. And that guy has it's like seven PGA Tour stars. Like, it is relentlessly difficult to play on tour. Yeah, and it it um, I think it's a testament to... When you see guys like that, it, it gives some context to how good the finales of the world are. Because you're like, wait a second, that guy's unbelievable. And finale is so much better than it. At least more consistently better, right? And so I I, I always uh, I always think that is, um, I, I don't know. I, I think that's pretty interesting. I am curious, you know, I, I was thinking about, so he what's he up to in the FedEx Cup? Like 17? 17, yes. But but this year, uh, only the top seventy get into the playoffs, right? So it's, but but then the top one twenty five get into this sort of, or I guess uh, seventy one through one twenty five or whatever get into like a fall fall fiesta, yeah, yeah, kind of a fall shootout with uh, potentially corn fairy guys, or I don't know how that's going to work, but um, it. You know, for somebody like him to get that head start on 2023 is it's a it's a big deal. And I'm curious what you guys think. Is it is it and maybe it's the same. Maybe the answer is the same is just that it's the the same thing. Um, Is it a bigger deal to do that in this year where you could potentially get into the FedEx Cup playoffs or for next year when at this time you're going to be playing your way into like the elevated event schedule? Uh, I'll go find the top 125 number from last year, but I'll tell you. So top 70 was last year was 614 FedEx Cup points. So he's halfway there. I'll go look up 125, but um, I imagine just with the sheer number of guys and and Greg, I I wonder what you're pondering here as well, that this this might be like a two-step, like lock yourself into that 71 to 125, play well next fall, and then, I think it's I, like top 70 is going to end up being really, really difficult for a lot. Yeah. Of yeah. Oh yeah. They're going to be some casualties too. I'm sure yes. there's going to be a lot. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and there were this year, cause we were looking at it earlier. Some of the guys outside the top 70 were some really big names. So it, it takes a lot to get in there. Um, but I always, I always go to, it's a bigger deal this year. It's a bigger deal now, but when you're 34 years of age, you don't want to be losing your card. Yeah, You know, you get this opportunity, you finally break through and get out there and now it's time to make it worth your while, right? Go get, not only are you earning points and, um, and, and working towards keeping your card for next year, but you're also earning your living, right? You've been playing on the Latino America tour on the corn Ferry tour. The expenses are still very high uh, and the paychecks are a lot smaller. So that's a, it's a tough life, you know, and, and you have to, relatively speaking, of course, there are much tougher lives than being a corn fairy tour player, but, um, but it's not easy. And, you know, you're so close to this level where you're in the top 200 people in your, in your craft, you're just outside of that and getting over that threshold is a big deal. So I lean towards this year, but only because it's, 
really only because it's this year. Well, and and because it's more of a known thing, right? We don't know what I think. I think next fall is such a we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what the schedule right. is. We don't know what you're playing for or to get into. And I, you know, I was thinking about how, so he makes that, he makes that uh, birdie at the last and you're like, man, that's got to feel so good after, you know, what you're talking about, Greg, which is just grinding on lesser tours for, you know, 12, 13 years to finish second, to get, to make a bunch of money, but also to, to set yourself up for the rest of the season. Um, yeah. so that, that's a cool kind of, you know, sub store kind of sidebar thing that we don't necessarily get in the, in the meat of the PGA tour season that you get more of in the fall. And then we'll get more of next, even more of, I think next fall, when I think most of the stars will be uh, sitting out the fall portion of the schedule. You always do those things, Kyle, where it's, um, you know, he only lost to, you know, six guys. Yeah. You know, he, he just played a PGA tour event and lost to one guy named Tony Finau and who we were just raving about saying he could be the best player in the world, right? He's one of the top five players you're most excited about on tour. That's the only guy that beat you. Yeah. Um, that also proves to you that you belong. You should be a PGA tour player and you really do have the game. And that is a huge, that's, that's where the talent and the results don't match when you don't have the belief element. Well, when you don't think you belong, you start to underperform. And, and I think this proves that, Hey, I, I do belong out here. He did beat, um, a guy who was the number one for a long while, reigning Masters champion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in Scotty Scheffler. So yeah. <laughs> there's something too to hang one's hat on because I'll tell you as a former competitor and someone who's worked with good golfers, at the end of the day, they'll play it all coy until you, now we're not looking. But when they're home and now they're, they're in the jet somewhere or whatever, maybe he's not flying in a private jet just yet, but he's looking at the results, man, and he's looking at that money. He's just about to have that check cash Tuesday morning. He's going to feel like a millionaire. When he looks at the sheet of the guys he beat, the field list, he's like, yeah, baby, bring on next week. Beat him. I beat him. Beat yeah, him. Beat him. Beat him. him. Yeah. If Tyson, if Tyson Alexander's fine private, that would be the upset of the. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, Greg, I think I think technically everyone in the field only lost to one guy named Tony Fino. Um, they lost to a lot of other guys with different names. But yes. Only yeah. one guy named Tony Fino. Yeah. Speaking of sidebars, you see that Andy Ogletree got himself a victory on the Asian tour. I did see that. Yeah. Just working his way back up to the. No, go there. Does that get him back in the four or forty-eight or whatever? Who, who can say it's up to 60 they've got five players on a team now and backups and subs and yeah, just just reinventing the sport mark <laughs> uh we'll talk about scotty scheffler here in a second uh put a bow on that tyson alexander conversation 125th last year was 361 points so he got 300 uh today so a little more that's, work that's massive though right because you now you just get a i mean it's easy for me to say you get a couple top 30s and and you're there oh easy enough uh scotty scheffler and the putting woes continue mark you brought it up we'll start here with you it was a t9 but he was second from t to green lost two strokes with the putter and now officially has lost strokes with that flat stick in seven of his last eight. He has switched between the handy trusty blade, a new Scotty Cameron prototype for a couple of rounds. Nothing seems to be finding the trick for him. Nah. And if, uh, if you go look back in the archives of this podcast, 
there was a situation where I said, look, I'm not liking where the putting stroke is going right now. And I was poo-pooed a bit because it's getting increasingly hooky. And when you get the path a little too inside out and the face is shutting down, then you've got a right to left that starts low because it's essentially a hook shot. And the right to left is what the right hand makes money on. And then you've got the left to rider and you push one and you don't square the face and it starts low. And all of a sudden that hole starts looking the size of a gnat's rear end. I mean, and you cannot make such from anywhere. So, um, so yeah, it's it's concerning, and the fact that he's changing putters, you know, was obviously going for a different model to maybe stabilize the face some, but but once you start missing putts, it almost feels like you'll never make putts again, and when you're making putts, it feels feels like you're never going to miss. So it is concerning, but the one thing why I believe in Scheffler and how he will bounce back, is he keeps the thing the thing, you know. I could point out countless golfers who were going through this that would be mindless right now. And the coach's phone would be ringing off the hook, and there'd be videos, and everyone's on the hot seat, and it's just terrible. But Scheffler's like, oh, well, you know, we're good. We'll be fine. And Ted Scott's on his heels too to go, look, bro, I work for a guy in Bubba Watson who could hit it, but really wasn't that great from about six or seven feet and in, and Bubba got his share of wins. So in as much as what it's not a nice spot to be, and there's a, it's a long road to try and iron that out and gain some confidence again, you've got the right mindset to do it. I, I find Scotty Scheffler so difficult to discuss, Kyle, because this is by far the worst he has played in probably over a year, and it is still amazing golf that 95% of the guys on tour would take. He's piling up top five finishes. He had a T9 in which, again, he lost strokes putting. Like it, It's kind of hard to reconcile everything that I see with Scotty because it, it it's so great, but it's still disappointing. Well, that's the price of being a superstar, right? And I think that's what guys that become superstars realize. And, and you have to manage external expectations, but also the pressure that you start putting on yourself. And you could kind of see him trend toward that. Um, even after he won the masters of like, I mean, he's super competitive. I think he always puts pressure on himself, but it seemed to be ratcheted up like, okay, before I wasn't in the spotlight when I was putting pressure on myself. So it just feels like even more pressure once you're in that, I just won the master's spotlight, you know? And I mean, listen, we're talking, this is a little bit the Rory conversation. We're like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong with Rory? He's he's had four top 15s in a row, but he hasn't won. You're like, Oh, it seems pretty good. Uh, Scheffler had a, had two top tens and a T 45 this fall in, in three events. And so Mark's right. Like the, the putting is, is not great. However, if, 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 if you want something to be wrong, it's, it's your putting, right. Or maybe your short game, those things are just so much, they take so much less work to clean up. And if that doesn't mean it's going to happen, he might be a terrible putter in 2023. But if, if you're, if you had to pick one thing to be wrong, I think that's the thing that you would want because he's clearly proven that he's got the, the rest of the, the rest of his game is good enough to still finish in the top 10, top 15 in events, even when he's putting it terribly. So you can kind of start to tell yourself, well, if I flip that around, I'm going to start winning four times in a year again. So I'm not, I don't think it's not concerning, but I'm not overly concerned about Shuffler going into 2023. He's going to get time. 
here, Greg, to work on this. He's he's not playing in the RSM Classic. He will tee it up at Tiger's event uh, in the Bahamas for the Hero World Challenge. But then we're we're headed to this break where he can devote as much or as little time. Maybe he just needs to put put the putter in a closet, shut the door, and not think. I don't know what he does, but he's got time to figure it out. Yes, and I was thinking as Kyle was speaking, and as we were talking about Tony Finau, like wouldn't you rather? Wouldn't you want it to be right now? where you're going through a struggle rather than uh, next April Yep. or, you know, and, and you think about when Scotty Scheffler went on his run last year, the timing of that was perfect because there's so many big events in a row. Imagine if Tony Finau went on this run that he's been on in the last seven events next April, it would completely change the conversation about him. Now I, I know that, we all have very high expectations and I'm in that camp too for next year for Finau. But part of me is like, man, this is, this is a really, really good run. And it's, it's a little bit wasted. Um, it's, it's not wasted. That's not really what I mean. It's just, it could be more if it happened at a different time where there's a major in there, because that's the next step for Tony Finau. Um, it, whereas with Scheffler, you're going through a rough patch with one area of your game and you have the, you have basically the off season, the real off season to iron this thing out. And that's a, that's a great sign. Um, and uh, the other thing about Scotty that I admire so much is when he gets in the thick of it, like he did at the U S open, it, he doesn't, he doesn't care what, you know how he's been putting lately he's going to get him he's going to go out there and compete and when he gets in the moment i trust his ability to make the putt i really do so um i think there's a lot of positives coming out of this for scotty scheffler but um the putting is definitely uh, probably circled on the offseason to-do list i just want to say this for the record I hear what you're saying, Carl, and it makes sense. But for golfers at this level, it's infinitely easier to hit a golf ball than what it is to make putts. And the reason is because they have a, they can develop a go-to shot. So let's say your swing is malfunctioning. You can hit squeeze cuts out there all day long and make yourself relevant, keep the ball in play. But you cannot fake missing putts. You just cannot. Now, now you can nestle putts up there from 30 feet, and then all of a sudden you miss that four-footer. That thing adds up. So for them, unlike the club golfer who's battling to fix their slice or their hook shot, whatever, for these guys, the hitting sort of comes easy. And if they're not hitting, they'll find a way to create shots because the margins are wider, the targets are bigger and stuff. But that hole is not very big. And if you're fighting confidence and you're fighting the path of the stroke and then the ball contact, you're going to battle with pace. You're going to battle with lines. You won't be able to read the putts the same because the ball's just coming off with a different speed. So it does pan out. And so I hear what you're saying. It's sensible. But from my experience, I feel like it's easier for them to fix their golf swing and play than what it is for them to make putts and try and play around that. Now, I hear what you're saying. They can outstrike their putter. But Scheffler is not looking for top 25s or 10s. Yep. I'm sorry, he isn't. No, that's that's true. Although I would like you to tell Jordan Spieth that it's easier to hit a golf ball than to putt one because the last the last three years it did not it did not to to uh, Greg was talking about Finau and Scheffler earlier, and you know you look at Finau's even like his beginning of the year between tournament of champions and Mexico Open zero top 25s because his short game was horrible it wasn't good he 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 low-key had a really bad spring and like through the masters and when he flipped it around 
you know, this summer and, and into this fall, all of a sudden, win, win, win. And I think Scheffler can take Mark's right. And, and I think that Scheffler's not in it to finish T seven at events, right? He's in, he's there to win. And I think he can take a little solace that like, yes, like I know my putting's not great. And yet my game is still good enough to top 10, top 10, top 10, even in a way that Finau, who's a top 12 golfer in the world, his game was not good enough for that. He was missing cuts. He was outside the top 25. He was not playing very well. So, uh, I agree with, I agree. I agree with you, Mark. Um, and I'm interested to see what, you know, what, what we get at tournament of champions in January. Rick, if I may just put a bow on this. Um, I don't know what the numbers say. You can help me with that. But Scotty Scheffler, you know, his swing is sort of idiosyncratic. And people will look at the footwork that's all over the place. And he's sort of tilted in spots and he's old school with real high hands. But he's one of those guys that just hits the ball well easily. It's like it comes to him really easy. And he has this weapon where he can hit the thing a mile in the air, which makes him instantly relevant on difficult golf courses. So it's like when you put him on the tee, he swings with this abandon where he doesn't give a stuff because he knows he can recover. Uh, and so that comes easily. But when you're driving it crooked and then you're trying to recover, but you're not making those putts that you should that keep the rounds alive, that starts to wear on one's uh, one psyche. But as I say, I mean, if I believe someone can turn it, it's him because of just of the mindset. Uh, and yeah. the guy is. Tony Finau wins in Houston. Fifth PGA Tour victory, third in his last seven starts. We will recap our best bets from Houston, and then we will circle back on Tommy Ladd for just a second before we get out of here. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Uh, the bets, the wagers, they were okay. Um, matchups. 
three losers, one winner. KP, how about this for a victory? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got, I feel dirty that this was a win. This, this was questionable. A win is a win. Hideki Matsuyama, who withdrew, but waited till Saturday to do it <laughs> over Russell Henley, who missed the cut. Cash it, baby. That's that is very questionable. Uh, yeah, I, I felt a Russell Henley fade coming. Um, Hideki getting plus money against Russell Henley should not be a thing. I don't know what's going on with Hideki, but at least he didn't withdraw until Saturday. He's I don't have I don't have any actual evidence of this, but he is the best in the world at waiting till he gets back to the clubhouse to WD. It's yeah. always after nine holes. And then he's like, ah, all right. Well, while I'm here, I might as well just go to the park. <laughs> <laughs> unless he, unless he, uh, unless he gets disqualified like he did at the memorial. That's true. Uh, finishing positions much, much better. How about that? Three wins, one loss. Kyle was loser, but that's okay. He got the matchup. Greg, your first green check mark there. Jason Day to finish inside the top twenty. Knew that was going to happen. Uh, (laughs) that's the only one. So I'm glad I'm just thrilled to go through my, my first run at this and not go over. Um, but yeah, Jason day kind of like Tony Fino has fixed the big area of weakness in his game and it's been consistent and he gained strokes approaching the green again this week. Um, like he has for what seven, eight events in a row now. So it's been really impressive with him with the iron play. Uh, and I think Jason day is a guy that you could see win uh, in 2023 um, because he solved this really big problem provided he can stay healthy. So very excited to see that. Um, but man, I just, w- before we get into everything else, Sam Burns just burned me this week. Oof. It's just a killer. Sam Burns, yeah, also got Kyle for an outright as well. It was a 77, then uh, WD midway through that second round. It was just uh, not good. No. No. And is he, it, what, what is he injured? Like, what, was there anything on that? Did he talk? I didn't see it. Uh, no. Did he give a reason? No, I didn't see one. Maybe his putting? <laughs> I would love to see that PGA tour comps Sam Burns WD during round two because of putting. <laughs> putting. He, he, he lost like six strokes in round one. It he, was, he injured his emotions, Kyle. He was a little yeah. emotionally. He's broken. Yeah. He, he, uh, he's, he's so consistent in these kind of mid-level events too. I, I was surprised to see him play that badly. And you know what? The, the real killer in that matchup burns over, uh, I had burns over Scheffler. It, it kind of happened where I thought Scotty was going to struggle with the putter this week after putting much better last week because of the different green surfaces. And it happened. And well, I, I was reminded of Scotty's ability to tee to green, first of all, um, and very disappointed in burns. But what are you going to do? Uh, J-Day finished T-16, as did Mac Hughes, cashed both of those. Patrick, back on the right side of things, had Tony Finau finish inside the top 10. He won, obviously, and got us our first outright of the season. Tony Finau, 14-1 to was Patrick's finishing position and outright. So uh, hat tip to Patrick. He's on the comeback trail, and he he needs it in a big way. Love to see it. Uh, best bets I can make or money balls. I can make this very quick. Our best bets were our worst bets. Um, oh. 
Sepstrock a top 40? No. Sam Burns top 10? No. McNeely to miss the cut? No. David Lingmurth top 40? No. Mark, you got another loser you want to add on there for us? Who is picking McNeely to miss a cut? That was our friend Patrick. Yeah, not <laughs> that is asinine. I mean, goodness gracious, get him on the line. <laughs> not it was not. I did not love that bet in the moment. I actually almost. Put, well, I don't know where he finished. I almost put him to finish in the top twenty. Was he in the top twenty? No. I, I well, actually, you know what? I saw him at t twenty seven. Okay, he did finish at t twenty seven. Okay, so I would have lost that also. Didn't didn't matter. But yeah, I, I didn't love that from uh, Maverick McNeely is quite becoming one of the more consistent guys in the PGA Tour. I mean, if you're a better, I'd pay attention to him because he he's just gonna just cruise his way along, put together four rounds in the sixties, and he'll be relevant often. Uh, it's he, he plays the kind of game where to me, there's not really it's not course centric. So wherever he goes, he's gonna play well just because of the way he plays the game. I, I, I like Maverick McNeely. Yeah, I think I think. To Mark's point, he's got a, I don't know how high his ceiling is, but I think his floor is high. Like, I think he's going to be, he's just going to make a lot of cuts and he's going to, he's going to grind out a, a pretty decent career on the tour. Well, if you look at his college career at Stanford, I would say his ceiling would be pretty high because he won often there. So, uh, and there at Stanford's where he's beating all the guys that are coming out on the tour now. So he just took some time to figure himself out. Uh, he knows who he is right now. And, I got to tell you, um, whereas Butch Harmon is retired, although more and more guys are going back to him, Butch Butch is a coach. He's not an instructor. And he just teaches guys to play. And he teaches guys to understand who they are. And he teaches guys to hit shots. And 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 he, he, he understands the human psyche and the individual very well. And he's worked with them all. So when a young talent comes to you, you can guarantee he's never going to overteach you or overcoach you. And he'll guide you in the right direction. Case in point, uh, Ricky Fowler going back there. And you can see the game going in the right direction. Uh, McNeely's getting jacked, too. He's putting some work in in the gym. Looks looks good. Looks fit. Playing well. Uh, okay, gents. Let's circle back on DP World Tour. Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, I want to talk about that real quick. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
And we're back. Mark, you alluded to this uh, in in the show earlier. Tommy Fleetwood wins in South Africa, defends his Ned Bank Golf Challenge Championship. 67 on Sunday, gets it done. One-shot victory over Ryan Fox. Yeah, um, I watched, watched the event. I, I missed home in the biggest way. I mean, that Gary Player Country Club at Sun City is just magnificent. And everything about the place is awesome. And everyone watching this, you should fly down to South Africa and go have a good vacation and see some wildlife and play the courses there because they're great. Um, but for Fleetwood, uh, as I said, the game to me had been trending. And then this week, he's going back to a place where he won last year. Uh, but he came here and apparently wasn't feeling very well and was sick a couple mornings. And then he had long days because it's at a time of the year where you get the afternoon thunderstorms and there were lots of delays and stuff. But the guy hung in there. And the course is not easy closing. Uh, i got to tell you, that's it's demanding. And if you're not striking it well, you hit balls in the bush there and you don't go and find them because you there's – it's deep and you get lots of snakes and stuff around that place. So um, you got to hit it and, and coming down the stretch there, finishing off the event, especially down the final two holes, they're arguably the most difficult par fours in the course. He just looked really, really solid. And then, you know, it means something when a guy makes the winning putt and bursts into tears <laughs> and he was crying, you know, like a little boy there. And so I was like, this is good because this shows to shows me that all that work that's been putting in, you know, in the dark when no one's seeing you and you're struggling and you're doubting at times, well, this is confirmation that, that he's still, he's relevant. And, uh, and that's why I said earlier, I feel like maybe 23 might be a good one for him. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, Greg, building one of the more unique resumes in the world of golf, right? Do you know how many, you know how many, European tour DP DP world tour wins he has. What's he have? Six, six. Good job. Do you know how many PGA tour wins he has? Zero. That is also correct. <laughs> uh, not without yeah. moments of brilliance. Not without chances. Right. I mean, everyone for a long time understands uh, the greatness that is Tommy Fleetwood. Hasn't done it yet on American soil. No, it's he's not the only one to struggle on this crossover. It's very common. Um, it, it's really hard to win on the PGA Tour. It's really hard to win on the DP World Tour as well. But winning definitely breeds confidence. So this is a big deal for him. It's his first win since this event in 19, right? So that's... that's right. Uh, yeah, so I should have I should have mentioned that. That was a successful title defense. This mm -hmm. is the first time since 2019 this that's event terrible. has been played. Yeah. So he won it in November of 2019, November of 2022. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a, a really big deal for him. But what's really cool and what really stands out to me is we're starting to see some uh, European players start to play really well this fall. Uh, and some guys that I, I think the Team Europe needs for the Ryder Cup are starting to come into form. Um, and that goes a, that goes a long way. So I, I think that team is going to be kind of building some confidence and their players are starting to play better. And all of a sudden, something that last year looked looked to be in a real dire situation is starting to look pretty good. Uh, and it, I think it's going to be a formidable defense and, uh, you know, a formidable opponent in Rome. And it's looking more and more like Tommy Fleetwood is going to be a part of that. Yeah, the rest of this leaderboard. Uh, sorry, Mark, you want to jump in there? No, no, I, I, I'm completely there. And and along the the Fleetwood thing, I just wanted to add that it, to me, 
the lack of success in the United States, and this is more something you could probably speak to, I just get a sense as I watch him play that he puts slower greens better. Mm. And if you look at where he has success, like in Paris at the Ryder Cup there, he made everything he stood over. Now it's the emotion of it all, and you get to going, and he's playing along, alongside Molinari. It's almost like the hole starts looking bigger, but you put him on sort of Poanio places that are a little slower and stuff like that, Europe. Um, the greens in Sun City are undulating, but nothing like USA fast. They're fast. Um, it's that, that where he, that's where he has his comfort level. So now he's always been a ball striker. If he can figure out that real fast green stuff, I feel like he'll be okay over here. Uh, the rest of this leaderboard, KP, pretty interesting. Ryan Fox, one shot back. He won a couple of weeks ago. Uh, then you've got Thomas Dietrich, who's been awesome all over the place. Shoots a 77 on Sunday. That's that's T13, but uh, Greg's right. It's not only the Ryder Cup. It, the, the, the international uh, talent pool, whether it's for both the President's Cup and the, and the Ryder Cup, seems to be getting stronger. We're seeing those guys getting replaced that we knew were getting aged out. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I, I think what will be interesting, you know, you got Rasmus Hogard up here as well. Uh, Richard Bland in the field. That's interesting. Yeah. But, you know, certainly those guys are being replaced. Are they going to be replaced with the Ryder Cup level player that a Lee Westwood was, that an Ian Poulter was? You know, is it a Thomas Dietrich that steps up? Is it a Hogard that steps up? Um, I think that remains to be seen. I, I think one thing that Mark said about Fleetwood that I totally agree with is he's really kind of quietly had a great last few months. He finished uh, fourth at the Scottish fourth at St. Andrews. I mean, that was the quietest T four in open history at St. Andrews. He, he was, I think fifth, fourth or fifth at the PGA fourth at the CJ cup. He, we hadn't seen him. He, he kind of had a weird couple of years there where he wasn't the Fleetwood that we expected in major championships. So I, he's not quite on the female level for me in terms of my excitement for him going into 2023, but he's pretty close, especially it's a Ryder cup year. I think he's somebody that is, really easy to root for and fun to watch, which you don't get that combination a ton in professional golf. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty fired up for, for Tommy Fleetwood's, uh, you know, next couple of months going into 2023. Hey Rick, is it me or has Tommy Fleetwood got a brand new set of teeth that he's flashing there with a trophy? Have it's you not seen just you. They are some pearly whites. Yeah. <laughs> He's done the Westwood veneers or Adam Scott veneers over there, looking good. Does Adam? Did Adam Scott do that? I've got a I've got a uh, a list of people yeah. that somebody gave me that have that have done it. I didn't see Adam Scott on it. Scotty, yeah, Scotty did. Okay, saw that but on Instagram. Was so was Justin Rose. Uh, Brooksy, Brooksy for sure Brooksy. did it. Yeah, hey, go for it. Dude. Was that before the uh, the the body issue? <laughs> maybe probably um anything else houston uh dp what w- anything else we want to talk about before we get yeah, out I'm, sa- I'm saving up for my new teeth yeah in a few years time you'll see me with a new grill uh, you don't need a mark yeah. no way <laughs> will, will they be gold or or what Nah, just per just pearly white, like 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 so so white they almost blue. They got that icy look about them. <laughs> Blinded. <laughs> Anybody else? Can you beat that? Can you beat new veneers? No, that's we should end. We need to end there. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Monday, RSM, DFS show. 
Tuesday, mega preview. Sunday, recap. That's next week, RSM Classic, the final event of the PGA Tour fall portion of the schedule. Then we'll have the Hero and a bunch of other stuff. Tiger's going to play three times in December. There's going to be plenty of that, but that's the official last full field event of uh, the year for the PGA Tour. Big thanks to producer uh, Troy doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Mark Immelman available online at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD, Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut. We'll catch you next time. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.